City, uh, Blue Ridge Baptist Church. That's actually where my parents go to, so. Uh, but uh, really, really glad to have them. Looking forward to drawing to a conclusion. We've done this, been doing this study on the holiness of God. Uh, the title of the story is In, in Awe of the Awesome. And, uh, you know, and there's, and there's a, a deliberation there. We spent the first uh, four weeks t- looking at the awesome one, the holy God, and, and why he really is the only one deserving of that title. Uh, and then we spent the last few weeks talking about awe, because awe is the problem for us. Our, our awe tends to go in a lot of different directions, and so we've kind of been thinking that through together, and we want to continue that, but let's start have a word of prayer before we do. Father, thank you. Thank you for you, for uh, your amazing love for us. We, we looked as we just spent a little time looking at your holiness and, and the impact that as those who came in contact with just a taste of that holiness, not a face-to-face uh, uh, viewing, but just glimpses of your holiness, that it, it knocked them to their knees and they became so, in a, so aware of their, their own inadequacies, their, their sinfulness. And, and, and Lord, to, to start to comprehend that and then understand that your holy love reached into the middle of that, into us as a sinful people, <coughs> and your heart for us caused you to do what was necessary to make it possible for us to be in relationship with you. And so we're so grateful for that. And so as we draw this to a close this morning, not, not certainly our, our thoughts, our, our ongoing learning about your holiness and, and where our awe should be directed, but this series, Lord, I just pray that uh, we'll have a sense that you're, you're with us, that you're guiding our hearts, our minds as we think this through together. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. When I was a kid, one of the towns that we lived in uh, uh, was a town called Pierceville, Kansas. Uh, Pierceville, Kansas uh, has a hundred mailboxes in it. At least it did. It doesn't even have a post office now. I went back and visited it this summer and, and uh, was a little disappointed. I, I went to look at the school that I went to grade school in, and uh, it's closed up. That was disappointing enough. But then I went to look at, peek in the window of the room that I actually attended uh, sixth grade in, and the roof was caved in. And uh, I think I told you at the time, I sent, I sent my wife a picture because my heart was aching. This is where I went to sixth grade and expected some comforting words back from her. And the words I got back was, you're old. So there you go. <laughs> uh, but so, so Pierceville, Kansas, was, uh, loved, I loved it there. We loved living there. But uh, you remember the banana, banana bike, banana seat bikes? That, that's, all of us kids rode those bikes. And, and uh, in town, the big thing was we would, we would race. And so uh, I, I decided, you know, I am not fast. You just need to know that. Never have been. Uh, my brother rides a, a speed bike. That's his thing. And, and every once in a while, he'll kind of post his, I did this much, this fast. And I said, any day, my Harley against your bike, any day, we'll, <laughs> we'll race. And, and uh, uh, so, but, uh, so I've never been fast. That's just never been my thing. And, and, and I was not fast on the bike. And, and so I thought, I, I would like to win once in a while. And so that summer, I mowed lawns for, for uh, uh, money. And so I saved my money all summer long because I'm going to buy a 10-speed because I thought, if I have a 10-speed, I can beat. Just simply the fact that I have gears to work through and things, I will win the race. And so all summer long, I am saving my money. And into the summer, my, my, I gave the money to my dad. He, he had found one. It was a used one, but it was in good shape. Bought it, brought it home to me, and I could not wait. I, I got, as soon as I got my 10-speed, I got on it. 
and I headed over to my best friend. His name is Mike Witt. And um, I knew my buddies would be there, and, and I'm gonna, we're going to have a race, and I'm going to win. Today is my day. Well, I show up in Mike's house, and their bikes are there, and they're, but they're all gathered around something. And so I get off my 10-speed, and I head over, and I look at what they're looking at. And one of those characters had built a bike jump. And the new thing was going to be jumping bikes. Do you know that 10-speeds can't jump? That's... You know, isn't that the way life is is in this world? About the time we got it figured out, about the time we're we're convinced we know this is this is it. This is what I need. This is if I could have, if I could be, if I could whatever it is, about that time we're sure we've got it figured out, it changes on us. That's the reality, and and that's what we've been talking about in this series, especially as we as we focus in on the issue of awe, in the fact that. Our awe is so often, I mean, we're built for awe. That's, that rea- that's the reality. We are, God created us with this sense that we need to be in awe of something. Our problem is, it is always going in the wrong direction, or at least a lot of the time. Uh, we, we are constantly focusing on these things, thinking that they will provide this, this sense of need that we have in our heart, only to find out that they don't. You know, and, and I chase those, and you've chased those, those things, and, and, uh, and it's because we do need to be in awe of something, but there's only one person deserving of our awe. So that's what we've been kind of walking through together as, as a church family. And, you know, I, I love this quote uh, by uh, C.S. Lewis, and for some reason this isn't working. So I may have you do this, John. I'll turn it off and back on and see. Nope. Okay, there we go. If I find myself in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And see, that's what we're wrestling with. There's nothing wrong with, with having a sense that I, I, I want, and, and there's nothing wrong, in fact, as we've talked about, it, you know, there are those things that we see in this world that, that have a tendency in our heart to go, wow. That is so cool. It's almost awesome. But, but what we've discovered as we've walked through it is, is those things, those things that bring us that pleasure, that, that sunset, that, that chocolate-dipped ice cream cone or donuts with spring, whatever you, or that huge steak. Remember a couple of Sundays ago, the Paul Tripp message, you know that. Whatever it is that you say, wow, that's so cool, it, it is supposed to direct our heart towards the awesome one. Thank you, God, for this sunset. Thank you for the pleasure of taste buds that can enjoy. The, you know, thank you for, for, for steak, whatever it might be. And that's where we get misdirected so often. And, but the fact that our heart longs for something like that is just an indication that there is something like that out there. It's just we need to point our awe in the, in the right direction. We're going to go this morning, in fact, you can go ahead and turn to your Bibles and, uh, or your devices to Colossians chapter 3. And, and we're going to draw this series to a conclusion in this, in this uh, letter, this, this, in fact, the middle of a letter, written by a guy, and we've talked about him before. He's very familiar to, to most of you probably. His name is Paul. You know Paul's testimony that, that uh, there was a point in his life when he was anything but a follower of Christ. The last thing on his mind. In fact, 
the, the, the one thing that drove him during that period of time was that he was going to, if he had to single-handedly, he was going to wipe out this movement called the way. The, those followers of Christ, later to be called Christians. He would, he would somehow put a stop to this because in his mind, the, the direction they were going in, in trying to have a relationship with God, even that term relationship with God, was so out of, out of context for him. Because uh, his, his idea of God was all based up in religion and rules and regulations and uh, uh, feasts and, and special days and all that. And so this, this group that said it was about a relationship and it was wrapped up in mercy and grace, he couldn't stand the thought that, that some would actually follow that until he met the resurrected Jesus Christ. And suddenly everything changed for Paul, his his world changed. And not only did he become a follower of, of the resurrected Jesus, but God used him to, to write a lot of what we call our New Testament scriptures. And, most, and the things that he wrote, he wrote because here's what happened. Once Paul met Jesus, Jesus sent him out. That's why he's called an apostle. An apostle means a sent one, someone who has been sent out to do a job or, or to deliver a message primarily. And, and so Paul was sent out by Jesus himself, he says it in his testimony, to, to deliver actually two things that he, he felt he was supposed to do. Number one, he wanted to tell anybody that he could the good news. That, that God had stepped into our world, that that's who Jesus Christ was, that he was, in fact, God in the flesh, and that he had come here to make it possible because our sins had separated us from that God, that holy God. He, somebody had to pay the penalty of sin, which was death. And, and so we either were going to have to pay that ourselves, which means we were going to be separated from God forever, no hope ever of being in a relationship with him, or somebody had to step in and take our place. But that person couldn't have sin of his own, or he couldn't take my place. He had to die for his own. And so God, the Son, was the only one that could do that. And so he did. He stepped into our world, and he died in my place so that God could offer me as a gift, because payment's been made, a gift of forgiveness and a restored relationship. In fact, he adopted us in, our, in his family when we made that decision. And so Paul became one of those people, and then that's the message he wanted to deliver. The other thing he did is everywhere he'd go to tell this good news, he, he'd end up starting gatherings. Remember when we first started talking, ecclesia, that word that means a gathering around a focal point or a focal person in this case. So he would start these churches uh, as they began to be, later became called, but these ecclesias and and these folks would come together, and together they would learn about Paul. And, and so what happened is Paul would start writing these letters back to these various churches. He, he the men's study we just started. We're studying the book of Philippians. One of the areas where Paul started a church was in Philippi, and that is a letter he wrote back to them. Colossians is Colossae, and, and there were a group of believers that he led a lot of them to the Lord, and, and so this church got going. And so this, we're jumping into a middle of a letter that he wrote back to this group of folks. And, and now, I don't know about your Bibles, but my Bible at the top of Colossians 3 has this title, Rules for Holy Livings. Any of the rest of you have that same title? Okay. It's kind of funny to me. Now, first of all, you need to know those are not part of the original manuscript. Those are things that translators 
put in there to kind of say, okay, well, here's what the context kind of give you an idea of what we're talking about next. So they weren't in Paul's letter. He didn't, next paragraph, here's my title, Rules for Holy Living. That was interjected later. And it's, it's kind of funny to me because Paul has just spent, if you, if you look prior, back to chapter 2, as we've been divided it up, that old chapter is talking about the fact that it's really not about rules. That is not in the heart of God. You know, it's not, you know, it, there's not some system out there that he says, okay, here's, you know, dot these I's, cross these T's, and if you get it all right, get the list right, the rules right, whatever it is, then you and I will be in relationship, a, a good relationship. He's just spent all this time saying it's not about that, and so I'm not sure where they were going with this, but that's not what Paul has in mind. He's not saying, okay, it wasn't those rules, but it's this set of rules. In fact, if you look at the end of chapter 2, you know, he kind of sums up. He says, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. And you might say, okay, wait a minute, where's he going here? Oh, these are all destined to perish with use because they're based on a human commands and teaching. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value and restraining sensual indulgence. He's saying, you know, it's, that's not what does it. And, and he could have gone any direction. In this particular situation, as he's writing to the Colossi church, the danger that's, that's come into their situation is that these religious individuals have come in and said, yeah, it's Christ, it's a gift, but you also need to do this, 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 and this. And so he's addressing that with them. But he could have gone in any direction. He says, you know, Whatever your thing is, your, your thing might be, you know, if, if I can get this degree, I know that I'll be the kind of person I need to be. I'll have what I need in my life. And he said, no, I won't. Uh, if I had this, this level of income, what well, you can go any direction you want. And he'll say, no, it's not. In, in fact, in the last section there where he says, uh, these lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. What he's really saying is, none of these things, whatever the thing is that you might grab on, that I grab onto, and I allow my awe to focus on, including an awe of myself. Remember, we've talked a lot about that, the fact that I wrap my world around me, so it's my wants, my desires, my worship, my whatever it might be. He says, they won't do a thing to fulfill that sense of satisfaction that you're looking for. They will not do it, no matter what it is. And, and all of us probably have lived long enough to f- find that true, except for what happens is we, f- we say, well, that didn't, but this will, and it won't. And so from that point now, as he, as he establishes that point, he says, but here's what I need, and here's what you need. You're looking for something. I'm looking for something to fill that void in my heart. He says, let me point you the right direction. It's not about rules, and it's not things. Uh, Here it is, verses 1 through 4. Let me read, and, and let's follow along, and we'll talk about it together. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is, in, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Well, let's start with the first phrase here, because 
he says, okay, since then you have been raised with Christ. And what he's done there is he's defined the fact that he's not really talking to everybody, at least in one sense. What he's about to say only applies to individuals who have lined their life with Christ. They've accepted that gift of forgiveness, of eternal life, of adoption of the family, of relationship that God's offer. And so that, first of all, he says, let me, let me separate this out. That's who I'm talking to. Now, in a sense, he is talking to everybody because his heart is, everybody should do this. I mean, God's making this offer, so why would you hold back? Why would you not take advantage of this opportunity, as, as he puts it, to be raised with Christ? And that's an interesting phrase there because he's saying a certain portion of people, those who have, have taken this step to align themselves with what Christ did on the cross and, and, and allow him to be their savior, the one that would save them from the, the results of their own sin, that, that they've actually been raised with Christ. And, and that word, uh, interesting Greek word, and I don't usually go into the Greek, but uh, synergera is the word, and it sound, looks a lot like our word synergy, which we hear a lot nowadays. It's kind of one of those coined phrases at the time. And, and Webster says that means a combined action or operation. And so he's saying, here's what happened. When, when you responded to God's gift, offer of forgiveness, you were combined with an action that Christ made. In fact, it reminds me, and this may be a very poor illustration, but, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a, at least especially when I was a kid, I, I, I was a real fan of Superman. In fact, some of you, some of you parents, are uh, young parents, you're going to, this will make you a little squeamish, but when I was a kid, my mom used to go to the grocery store. Uh, in fact, in Garden City, Kansas, and, and, and the grocery, that was the nearest grocery store, and and in, at the front of the grocery store, right by the front door, there were these wooden uh, benches that they had made. And they were, uh, they were a combination bench magazine rack. And they were full of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not color books. Uh, comic books, man. Senior moment. They are full of comic books. And so parents would come in, drop their kids off, and go do the grocery shopping. They just leave their kids, and we'd all sit there and read. And, and uh, now I know that sounds unbelievable nowadays, but we just didn't worry about those things back in those days. And, and so I, I loved, especially Superman. And, you know, every once in a while something would happen, and, and Lois Lane would be in danger, and, and Superman would grab a hold of her and take off, and, you know, in, in speeder the, faster than a speeding bullet, he'd take her to this other spot. And she couldn't do that on her own. She had no ability whatsoever. He would just simply do that for her. And that's what's going on here. Is What he's saying is, we didn't do anything. It wasn't our action. But Jesus' action, if we accept that opportunity he's given us, he, t- he rose us with him. And, uh, you know, now since then, I've thought about that a little more. And, you know, if, if, Jesus, or if Superman was traveling at supersonic speed, why didn't Lois come apart on the flight? You know, where's the truth here? You know, she should have pieces coming off of her, but never mind. Yeah, probably should have warned you about that for your kids. But, but that's what's going on here. Is he said, you, you've had this experience where suddenly you've been, you've been wrapped up in Jesus Christ and you've been lifted out of your life, your future without him. Uh, everything has changed because of what Jesus Christ did. But, you know, 
So literally, everything about us changed the moment we accepted Christ. In fact, uh, we were, we were we're with Christ. Now, some of you are going to bother. You know, I, I told you in the beginning of the series, I have... I have a real problem with the way the word awesome is used nowadays. And I've, and I've enjoyed now because some of you will come to me and you'll start a sentence and you'll say, that was really awesome. And then you're trying to figure out another word. And I told you not to worry about that, but you do. So it's okay. That's, it's fun. Uh, but there's another word that, word that bothers me. The way literal is used every day now, you know, it's like that literally, that donut was literally bigger than my house. No, it wasn't. I'm sorry. It was a big donut, but it isn't that big. And, you know, I hear that kind of stuff all the time. And it's like, every time it's like, oh, it's one of those things that I cringe a little bit. So when I said, he literally, that you actually, the moment you accepted that gift, literally, you're with Christ. Some of you might say, wait a minute, I'm still here. Yeah, but see, that's our problem. See, because here's what he said. Here's where, and this is present tense. For you died, your life is now hidden with Christ in God, with when Christ, who is your life, perhaps he should have said, who should be your life, when he appears, you'll also repair with him in glory. This is a given. And, and it's more true of you. And here's our problem. You know, that kind of sounds like, okay, yeah, I, I get that. But it doesn't sound like literal. It doesn't sound like reality. But he says it is. In fact, this isn't reality. That is reality if you know Christ is your Savior. So why, don't I, why, why do I still find myself dissatisfied? Why do I still find myself you know, chasing paths and, that I think are going to give me this thing that I'm looking for and, and then they don't? Why am I still there? Well, you go back to C.S. Lewis. If I find myself with a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy the most probable explanation was that I was made for another world. And that's the reality. Only that's not our reality. It is the reality, but we are not there yet. We keep thinking it's something else. And that's what's messing us up. So here's what Paul says. Here's what's got to happen. He says, set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. He says, here, and, and set means to crave. So, so we crave all of these things that are not worth it. They're not worth our awe. They're not going to provide what it is we're hungering for. And he says, so you've got to make a decision. At some point, we've got to make a decision. <coughs> Who is it we believe? He says, crave things above. Wrap your desires around things that are above. And then, and then wrap your mind, because here's what happens sometimes. I, I was talking to a friend this week, and he was talking about some, some struggles he's going through. And he's saying, you know, prior to Christ, and he has quite a testimony. It's just like, he said, prior to Christ, you know, I, I, I chased all these paths. And he said, i got to tell you, there are times when my heart still goes there. I still think, mm, I would like. And he says, and then i got, I, I got to think it through. And I think, wait a minute, you were there. It didn't give you what you thought you wanted. And so in his mind, so, so that's what Paul's saying. There's this, 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 there's this heart, this affection towards things. He says we need to wrap our affections, our, our cravings, our desires around things that have to do with, and he doesn't leave us guessing, things that have to do with, with him who appears with him in glory. Set your thing on minds above. And, and so it's this, 
it's this directing our heart the right way, knowing that when, we're, when we find ourselves dissatisfied, struggling, sensing, why there's something else, then it's because we've let our hearts go the wrong direction. He says, here's, here's where it needs to go. Set your hearts and your minds where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, where you also appear with him. That's our, you know, he's saying, there are, there are things, everything that we go after and chase on this earth, it's... It's, not, it's temporary. It's not forever. Start chasing forever things. You know, uh, we say these phrases sometime. And, you know, you'll, you ever had, maybe you said it as a dad or I had someone say, you know, if you'll do this, it'll last forever. No, it won't. You, you, you know, your dad, you're, you're teaching your child, you're saying, okay, listen, you're gonna, you got a car now. If you'll just change your oil regularly, it'll last forever. No, it won't. Yeah, you know, we, we, we throw that, that term around. Uh, you know, we, uh, we'll, we say to ourselves, uh, you know, if, I, if I'll just, I know if I can just love him, if I can, if I can love him better, I know, you know, our, our relationship will last forever. No guarantee. Because, see, those things aren't wrapped in what is really forever. You know, or I'll hear someone say, they're, they're talking about uh, their, uh, uh, maybe they've, you know, they have a, their job history isn't really good. And so, they're saying, so they say, you know, next, you know, next job I get, I am going to be the best employee that anyone ever wanted to have. Wrong direction. Right direction is, you know, God, I want to be a son you can be proud of. I know that you, serving you, loving you, focusing on you is, is the only thing that is worth my awe. So I'm going to wrap my awe and my life around doing things that I know please you. You know what? If that's your direction, you know what? Your employer is going to get the best employee. He's going to get a better employee than you ever imagined. And, and it won't, see, here the thing is, it won't matter. You know, you got those days where, where the boss is a grouch, and you're thinking, ah, oh, man, this guy is such a jerk today. Uh, you know, it won't make a difference in, in what you do because you're not working for him. You're working for him. He's who you're trying to please, so... See, that's what happens. Or I'll, I'll, I have heard husbands, wives, sometimes in desperation, say, I, I know I haven't been a good husband. I been, I, I'm going to be the best husband I can be. Wrong, wrong goal. Be a godly man. Wrap your awe, your heart, your desires, your mind around God. What can I do, God, to to be a son that you're proud of, a daughter that you're proud of. And you know what will happen? You'll be a better spouse than your husband and your wife ever even dreamed of having because things are right there. And see, that's where we get off track so often. I do too. Paul says we've got a decision to make. We all do. We either are going to set our hearts and our minds on things where, that are revolving around forever. Christ, God. Eternity, what pleases him. Or we're going to set them on earthly things. And our tendency is earthly. That's just a tendency. We're going to fight that battle and, and we're going to have to decide that's not the direction I'm going. 
because it's not there. I've, I've tried, you've tried. It's not there. There's only one person that deserves our awe, and that's God. And until, remember last week we talked about, if, if my awe is in another direction, you know, why, you know, Paul says one time and one says, why are you complaining so much? Well, we complain because we're wrapped up in ourselves. And so I'm not happy. This is not the way I want it. And so, we're, well, yeah, but it's the way that God wanted it because he's in charge. And so if I'm in awe of God, then I'm going to say, hey, God, I don't know what's going on here, but I know you, and I know your heart for me, and, and I'm in awe of you. And so help me to learn. Help me to see what you want me to see through this experience so that I can look like you. You know, when we get that mindset, it's really interesting. <clears throat> Nothing changes. But everything's different. Nothing changes. Same world, same circumstances, same things that everybody else is changing, but it's all different for you. Because you've gotten off of that never-ending cycle of destruction and heartache and disappointment and you've gotten your focus, and I've gotten my focus on the only one that deserves it. The only one who's awesome. The only one who's holy. And the only one who sacrificed everything so I could have a relationship with him. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this time, this thinking this through of your holiness and awesomeness and, and our own struggles with this issue of awe. Thank you for Paul and this letter he wrote to this church helping them think through this because they were getting distracted by what seemed like a good thing. Uh, uh, religions trying to, to search and, and prepare and, and develop steps to lead to a better relationship with God. And, and, and as good as that sounds, it's not what you have in mind for us. Lord, we're, we're going to make a decision. In fact, sitting in this room, everyone in this room, we've already made a decision today we're going to either chase earthly things or we're going to chase you. One path's going to lead to disappointment. One path, one path will lead to the fulfillment we're looking for, a peace that surpasses understanding. A realization that there's nothing in this world that even come close, comes close to comparing to what you got planned for us, and even what we, you want for us right now, as, as including the future. We want to be in awe of the only one that really is awesome. Help us to do that well. Pray these